Welcome to Living in a Material World, and today's guest is Melanie Mayron, Emmy Award-winning actress and founder of Mayron's Goods. Welcome to our show, Mel. Thank you, David. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I don't think any of the listeners know how far we go back, but when I moved to Los Angeles, Mel was one of the first people I ever met, and she was my first client. And so my whole business just started from the moment we met and she had this amazing baby brand called Mayron's Goods. And she still has it. And we're still working together many years later. And we're going to just jump into like how your career started, how you made it into acting. And then of course, being an entrepreneur, owning your own brand. Okay. Well, see, let's see, going way, way back in time. <laughs> All the way back when I was in eighth grade, I was given a special assignment in school. We were studying a Midsummer Night's Dream. And myself and four other girls, we decided to act the interlude, the play within the play that's in Midsummer Night's Dream, the story of Pyramus and Thisbe. And I decided to play Thisbe. Now, at the time when Shakespeare, when the players did Shakespeare's plays, it was all men, men playing the men's roles, obviously, and men playing the women's roles. So here I was in eighth grade playing the role of Thisbe. So basically, I was playing a man playing a woman. <laughs> so it was kind of very uh, difficult. No, and I had a lot of fun with it. And then we went to Stratford, Connecticut to the, see the American Shakespeare Festival do A Midsummer Night's Dream. And it was the first play I'd ever been and seen. And this wonderful English actor, Cyril Richard, was playing the role of Bottom. And myself and my four friends, we were way, way up in like the nosebleed section and we were watching. And what I saw was some of the actors do some of the same comedy bits that I did. And they looked at me like, Melanie, how did you know how to do that? And it was crazy. And I was smitten. Now, the stage was like a tiny little postage stamp. We were so far up. But I memorized on the eight-hour bus ride back to suburban Philadelphia. I memorized Puck's last speech in Midsummer Night's Dream and said, I'm going to be an actor. And I auditioned in 12th grade for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City, a professional acting school. And I got in and I went for two years. And the second year was picked by a professional manager. He had Diane Keaton, Sissy Spacek, Carol Kane, Eric Roberts, Christopher Walken, Tom Hulse, just a wonderful roster of actors. It was the early 70s. And he put me in front of Paul Mazursky for the movie Harry and Tonto. And that was the beginning of my career. Oh my goodness. In a nutshell, in one sentence. <laughs> that was all in New York, right? That was where it all began. It was all in New York. But in between graduating from the American Academy and getting Harry and Tonto, I did a year on the road in the musical Godspell, which the song Day by Day came from. For anybody young, I don't know if you've ever heard that musical before, but if anybody's a little older, they might have. I think they have. It's a classic. Like, you know, anybody in the arts and theater, I'm sure they're well aware of it. And Mel is, you know, she's iconic to me and to many people in the world of the arts. But when did you eventually come to Los Angeles? How did that happen? How did you make it an East Coast girl get all the way to L.A.? Well, I, Harry and Tonto opened in L.A. and I came out there for that. And then I was in a movie in the late 70s called Girlfriends. And that kind of put me on the map. They did a campaign for me for Best Actress for the Academy Awards. And I won a Best Newcomer Award at the British Academy and the Locarno Film Festival Best Actress. I got a lot of notoriety when I was 25 from the movie Girlfriends. And that put me in the sights of the producers of a show called 30-something. 
and I flew out to L.A. because I was living in New York, auditioned for that and got picked for that show. And that was shooting in L.A. So I had to move out from New York to Los Angeles. And the show became a hit and we were on for four years. And the word 30 something, which was the title of the show, has actually come into Webster's Dictionary as an official word. So that was pretty interesting. But what was funny about it, David, when I was casting that show, I would tell my New York friends, hey, I got this TV show and they got a pickup on ABC and I have to move out to L.A. And they went, oh, what's it called? And I said, 30 something. And they said, 30 what? And I said, something. And they said, what, you don't know the name of the show? <laughs> no, no, it's called 30 something. And they said, 30 what? <laughs> 30 something. <laughs> they said, what? How can you not know the name of the show that you're in? So it was one of those, like, who's on first bits? It was like so stupid. But anyway, that's how I got out to LA. And that's how you got out here. And you've been here ever since, right? You fell in love with the city and made your home here and what was the moment that you were like, okay, besides being an actress, I want to have my own brand, my own product line? Well, I have a sister who's 11 years younger, and she went into acting and did a lot of voiceovers and had a pretty successful career for a while. She was one of the first VJs on MTV. She had her own show, hanging with MTV Live. It was Monday through Friday every day. But she also, with my dad, she came up with the idea of doing a hand sanitizer like Purell, but with essential oils as the filler. Those products have like 50, 60, 75% alcohol, and then they have to have something else. And Purell and the other less expensive brands just have some kind of filler ingredients, but she wanted to do essential oils. She'd worked on it with my father, came up with one. It was a little more expensive, but it didn't dry your hands out. So she started this line gel brand. And I was so jealous of her getting to work with my father. And here I was the older one going, wait a minute, why can't I have that experience? I was also trying to get pregnant and always a late bloomer. And I said, dad, let's work on kind of like a natural line and a line of baby products. And we did. He started working on a diaper cream. We actually worked on it. It was like over 10 years to get this thing right. And I think it's actually one of the best in the business. But we started with a baby line. It was really special. And then I was like, well, let me try to get the grownups because I realized that every two years I lost my customers. <laughs> I was like, what an idiot. How could I start this and invest all this money? And over two years, the minute they're toddlers, up onto the next product. And I have to start all over again. So, so much for loyal customers. We started branching into more unisex essential products. But David, I'll never forget meeting you. So random, a gal that was renting my guest house met David at the DMV. They were both New Yorkers and both frustrated. And she was like, Melanie, you have to meet this guy and blah, blah, blah. And he's in skincare. And I had been so ripped off by somebody right prior to him that I was like, I'm not meeting anybody. So no, 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 you I really you have to meet him. And it was like the fates colliding and putting us together. The minute I met David, it was like old souls. It was like we'd had many past lives together, it felt. I just completely forgot I had met her at the DMV. I did create a huge scene and made a lot of noise there. You both there. did, right? Yeah, I and, when I, and when I sat down, she's like, are you from New York? I was like, I'm from New York. I moved here. And then like the last five minutes of our conversation, we had been speaking to like each other like for an hour. She asked me what I did, and I said I'd worked in the beauty industry with a brand called Red Flower and the Art of Shaving, and I had just finished a job as a VP of sales for a company, and I didn't have 
a new position yet. And I was going to start like taking on new clients and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, oh my God, this is kismet. And, you know, it was one of those LA moments where I was like, oh, she's telling me she knows this person. I don't even know any actors. I'm not that guy. I'm terrible with names. And I got home that night and I said to my partner at the time, I was like, oh my God, I met this woman. And she told me about this actress that has a product line. Do you know who Melanie Mayron is? And of course, Jacob was like, oh my God, how can you not know who Melanie Mayron is? She was on 30 something. And I was like, oh, I remember that show. And then he was like, she was Melissa, the photographer. How do you not know? And I was like, he was in the TV biz. So I was like, oh my God, I don't know. And then I literally met up with, I think her name was Jocelyn. So I met up with her coffee at the coffee bean, not too far from your house before going to your home at one point. And then we met. I walked into your house and I felt like I was in the East Coast and I was like missing home. And I felt like I had arrived home and I felt like I had known you my entire life and many past lives for sure. And I was inspired to work with brands again because I was going to go look for another job full time. And you were the one that inspired me to like kind of take on more clients because I had so much fun working with you. Yeah, David, I said to you, I remember we were talking about like that Stephen Young and his showroom. And you said, oh, one day I want to have a showroom and I want to be like that. And I was like, you can do it. I was sitting on your steps. Yeah. And we were just chit-chatting. Yeah, it was like, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, and that's how it all started. It started right on your street. And it's been amazing ever since. But I love how passionate you were about working with your dad. Let's talk about working with your dad and also his background and how his background was incredible. Well, David Mayron, he was born in Cairo, Egypt. His family moved between Jaffa, which was in Palestine at the time, and Cairo. Cairo in the 20s was like the Paris of the Middle East, they said. Everybody spoke French. He grew up speaking French and Hebrew and mostly French. And my grandfather, his father, was an insurance salesman. He sold insurance to King Farouk of Egypt, and the family moved back and forth. There were seven kids, some born in Cairo, some born in Jaffa. His grandparents were among the founders of Tel Aviv, one of the 60 families that bought the land on the beach and built 60 houses and started the city of Tel Aviv. He fought in the war in 1947-48 that made Palestine the state of Israel and had been studying pharmacy in Beirut, Lebanon. Then the war happened, and after the war, he couldn't go back to Lebanon. They found out that the oldest and best pharmaceutical school in America was the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy and Science. So my grandfather sent him there, and he studied there, met my mother a few years later. She was a Philadelphia girl, and they palled around for a year and a half and got married and then had three kids. But one of the things my father... Did He worked in the international division of Smith, Klein, and Beecham, which today would be Pfizer. So he spoke French and was dealing with products, overseeing them in Europe as well as Japan. But one of the things that he did, he's one of the three chemists in the country that he has a patent on the time-release tablet. So when you take Sudafed or anything, Claritin, anything that's 12-hour or 24-hour, where the medicine is fired off over a certain period of time, My father's one of three chemists that figured out how to do that. So he's really a chemist's chemist. He retired at 58, David Mayron, and started Mayron Research Laboratories in suburban Philadelphia. And his business then, all the accountants he had was, say, David, if you or I had a product and we manufactured it and it didn't work or something fell apart. 
They would send it to him. He would look at the formula. He would figure out what went wrong with it and get the manufacturer to make it right. So he really was a brilliant chemist. And when we started working on the diaper cream, the barrier creams, the body milks, the oils, the man pre-shave oils, face oils, he was very aware of, it's like we see all those products everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. They're at Target for not a lot of money and Walmart and they're expensive and lots of beautiful pricey stores. But I don't know how many of those brands have the kind of brilliant chemist behind them that my father has. And that's one of the special things about it. He used to put like sometimes a healing element in a lot of them. He put an anti-inflammatory in the man oil, the pre-shave, so the hair follicles don't freak out. They calm down and they don't swell up afterwards. And he's just put a lot of good care in them. And I've been along the way with him as he would do the formulas. And when we had to reorder for manufacturing, I'd say, why do we need this ingredient again? What if I can't find it? He would explain to me what it does in the formula, why we have it. And so the ingredients he selected, I now know why all of them are in everything. And he's just a magnificent mind. Did he help you source all the ingredients too? Did he like help with all that? He did. Cause a lot of the places were, you know, he was working in suburban Philadelphia. I'm here out in LA, but a lot of the places were right close to home, close to him in the New Jersey, Pennsylvania area are a lot of them. He had so much integrity in his work and also developing for his daughters. I'm sure it was so much fun, so much pleasure for him to work with you guys. Yeah. So Gail came up with a whole line. So we both sort of have, have all these products, but it's his legacy. It's such a pleasure to get it in people's hands. And when they really like it or get behind it, it's just so gratifying. So tell me, after launching the diaper cream, what were the next products that you came out with when you had the next few SKUs? We did a baby oil, which was a very light tangerine oil, just like a light body moisturizer. And we also had a very light body milk. I had a boyfriend years ago that came back from France and he was putting this product, it was a line called Vichy. And it was like a body milk. It, they called it lait en français. And I was like, oh, because I was just used to creams and body lotions being thick. And this was so light. And I loved the idea of that. And I used to steal his Vichy all the time and use it. And I thought, boy, that would be great to be able to put on little babies because you're not layering them with some thick thing. It's just a light way. So we did the baby oil and the baby milk. And then we did a baby wash, which was a citrus-based very light wash. And the base of it was soy. Soy and rice is the base of it. So it's no parabens, no sodium oral sulfate, no anything bad and just lovely light. I mean, grownups with sensitive skin would use it, but that's what we started with. I love that milk. Just like as an adult, you know, to use the milk because the worst is like when you are rushing in the morning and you're showering and then you put on some moisturizer and some cream and it just sits on your body. Oh my God. The other thing is when you have to rub it and keep rubbing it. Like when we were developing the creams, it took us a long time because I was like, dad, I'm here for 10 minutes rubbing the cream. <laughs> like it's got to dry faster. I mean, it's got to stay there, but go away quicker. Yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You know, it was like trial by error to try to get the amounts right, but no, it's, it's good. And then we did the chapstick chap stuff, which was like a little mini deodorant component that is 39% shea butter with like a light orange kind of cocoa smell. And it's like for skiers, you know, you can hold it into your ski gloves and not lose it. It's not like some tiny little chapstick and you can sort of put it on your elbows or knees or lips, wherever you need it. 
I remember that was RuPaul's favorite product. <laughs> That's right. It was. That's right. He loved it. He loved it. And so, yeah, I think it has a cult following that product. All your products have a cult following. Rosie O'Donnell loved the diaper cream. She talked about it on her show. Yes, I forgot about that. You were, she talked about it because you worked with her. How did that happen? It was so funny. She was friends with my neighbor who lived next door to me. And my mother had said, well, this is when she had her show. And my mother was like, oh, Melanie, you've got to get the diaper cream to Rosie O'Donnell. This was right when we started. And we didn't even have it out yet. We weren't manufacturing it. And I was like, mom, how am I going to get to Rosie? She lives in New York. I knew her, you know, through people and stuff. And she knew me from the show. And one day I'm walking outside, I think taking the garbage out or something. And I look and next door in the driveway, Rosie O'Donnell was picking up a big baby shower present and trying to put it in the trunk. And I hear screaming and she goes, hi, Melanie. And I go, oh, hi, Rosie. She had her first boy and he was a baby and he was in the car and he was shrieking. She goes, he's got the worst diaper rash. I don't know what to do about it or how to shut him up. And I was like, diaper rash? <laughs> I went, you got a minute? And I ran in the house and I grabbed one of the tubes that my father had sent me with like a piece of tape and handwriting on the tube. Like it's just like day for cream, 10%, whatever. And she brings her baby, puts him on the lawn right between the sidewalk and the curb, rips off his diaper. And of course he's like flaming red or all around his private. And I was like, well, here, do you want to try this? And she was like, yeah, you got a baby? She's like, what are you doing with diaper cream? And I went, oh no, it's a long story, but, but here my dad made it, try it. So we put it on three days later. I come home. This was when people had answering machines. So it was a little while ago. And I see it's like, I got 21 messages. And I'm like, 21 messages? I had 19 when I won an Emmy. So what the hell happened? <laughs> I have 21 messages. And I played them. And each one was like, oh my God, Rosie O'Donnell talked about your diaper cream. Her show. Apparently what she said was, I don't know what happened to Melanie Mayron's acting career, but... <laughs> She's made this diaper cream and my son in three days is fine. It's all gone. Oh my goodness. Did people contact you for your diaper cream after that? Yeah, we hadn't made it yet. So it was like timing, boy, if that can happen now, but we're talking about it now. So that's good. <laughs> I remember you telling me that when we met, it was just like such a big deal because, you know, again, in those days, that was our social media. That was like before social media. So if any TV show or the Today Show or any of those morning shows or even like, you know, Rosie or Ricky Lake show, if they talked about products, people would just buy it. Yeah, that's right. If it was mentioned and they were behind it, that was it. Like they were the influencers. I remember when I was working with a small showroom, we had a diffuser stick. They were the first ones. And on the Today Show, someone mentioned it. And we literally sold out in every store in the next 24 hours after that. Those things are unheard of now, oh, unless it's like an influencer talking about a product or someone on TikTok or one of those things. But it was so great how the power of TV and the voices of TV versus like all the influencers nowadays. I love how you've seen how everything has changed so fast. <laughs> it's so fast. So fast. So, so fast. Oh, my God. How old is the inspiration of the diaper cream? Because you created it because you were becoming a mom. So how old's your daughter now? 98. It was 19. She's 24. Oh, my God. I mean, we didn't put it out till 2010. Yeah. And I met you, I guess, around 2012, probably, because I'd been flailing around by myself for a couple of years. Yeah, probably, right? <laughs> when did you come out to L.A.? Wasn't it around then? I think we met around then. 2010, I think it was, right in the beginning. Because you have the diaper cream in the box 
And that was like the one ski we had. And then we went to the ABC baby show together. Las Vegas. And you had like loaded up a friend's pickup truck with all these fun antiques. And I had just like, I was very fresh in LA. And so we drove to Las Vegas. Yeah, you got in that accident. It was a small accident in the parking lot. It was like, great, wonderful. One more thing happening to me in LA. But like, I literally like we got into the show and we were a hit because it looked like double RL. It was just like no one's booth looked anything like because you brought in so many props and antiques and it just looks so amazing. I was ahead of the curve. It's like if Tommy Hilfiger or Ralph Lauren had done Baby. I mean, my products have always had a, I guess it's like a preppy East Coast kind of vibe to it, you know, like 1950s, 40s, something like that. Just classic kind of look. It's so classic. It is definitely like Ralph Lauren and Aspen and East Coast and it's timeless. Yeah. Well, my father painted and my mother's brother was a very famous painter, Sidney Goodman. So the products in my tubes, the hand cream, the foot cream, the privates and junk, the two barrier creams, they're all packaged like paint tubes with paint colors and hex. I mean, I know some other products have done it too, but it's modeled after paint tubes because I grew up with my dad painting, my brother as well. And then the bottles are all after the Elmer's glue bottles. It's the same bottles. So the whole line is kind of packaged like art supplies. It's brilliant. And it's done so well because you could reuse all of the packaging too. You could reuse them all for travel. Like the Elmer's glue bottles, you can clean them out, reuse them to travel with, with other products. So I just love because you were doing sustainable packaging before it was a thing. That's right. The flip top to make it easy to work, the balms that are in the little mini deodorant containers. I remember my father saying, like a lot of people have things in jars or tins. And he said, the minute you open it up and you put your fingers in it, you've contaminated everything in the jar and you've contaminated everything in the tin. I was like, oh my God. So with the little mini deodorant, you just take off the top and you can hold it and apply it to your skin or wherever you need to put the top back on and you're not touching it. And he was such a clean freak that I was like, wow. So that helped me pick with the packaging as well. And you also use a lot of your photos from your family and very nostalgic in many ways kind of like transports you to a time of you did all the old milk trucks like was it the milk trucks or the diaper trucks the diaper trucks yeah can you imagine being the pickup guy (laughs) well no and that was the time when you launched your brand that was the time that so many diaper services were coming back out onto the market and people were no longer using like you know huggies or the disposable diapers yeah they were having in cities like new york and in la there was like services and they're still around are they really but not as much as then that was like a huge movement in 2010 and 11 there was like so many companies like local companies delivering diapers clean diapers clean diapers that was like the beginning of people just worrying about the environment and finding ways to innovate a product, not being disposable. And we had a lot of those services obsessed with your products. We did. I remember they were checking about, is the zinc oxide going to stain the cotton, the diapers? And it was a whole rigmarole about that. Oh no, we're good. We're good. You also had all the attention of like the family, the Burt's Bees kids were in love with all your products. And it was a time where it was a new category and you were a pioneer in it. And so now, what are you working on with Mayron's Goods in the next year? What's your plan? I know that we're going to tighten up the story and get it into more doors, but what's your vision? Oh, God, I would love to have a Mayron's Goods and Supply store somewhere. 
We've been talking about that for a few years. So we're going to see if that can happen, start in Los Angeles. In terms of more products, one of the things that's been a big bestseller is our hand cream and our foot cream. We find out that the real utilitarian creams and the travel sizes of things have been selling a lot as well. So I think, you know, the last few years, two and a half years, really with COVID, everybody's sort of been not going out as much, but things have been picking up a lot the last six months as more and more people are traveling. And a lot of people want to take, you know, their own products. So our travel line has been doing very well. We have smaller two ounce sizes in a lot of the products. So they've been doing well. So I think it's just about getting the word out. You know, David, it's funny. I started with baby and then we went to chapstick and then I thought, okay, we'll focus on the hand cream or the foot cream and we'll do the milks. And then I was just like starting to make all these other products. And I started to make all the other products and we relabeled and repackaged everything because there was like an organic labeling scare or something. And then there was COVID. So I feel like Mayron's goods, even though we've been in business for 10 years, I feel like we're still at the starting gate. I feel like we're just about to really give it our best shot. You know, you have an essentials line. Like you have products that are necessities for people for everyday life. And it's for someone that doesn't want to have too much in their life. They want to have just the best. And I love that you're saying it's the necessities you need. Yeah, it's the basics. And people, there isn't many great foot creams out there focused on foot. And your foot <laughs> cream is, for any of those people listening that have a foot fetish, you should pick it up. <laughs> you see, we, got, we, got, we got body parts. It's like, I call the brand, it's like hands, feet. Let's not forget about junk stuff. That was like GQ magazine, love junk stuff. Oh my God, junk stuff for relief down there. Stuff for your junk, junk for your stuff. <laughs> My godson came up with that line. I love that line. And it's the essentials and the necessities you need when you're traveling and you're home and you just want to have good quality products made with great efficacy and integrity because the Mayrons have so much integrity. And also like for someone that like loves something that brings you back to a moment in time that we did take a little bit more time to enjoy our lives, slow down and be nostalgic. I, every time I look at your products, it warms my heart. Now, I do want to jump in here. Mel has also been on fire directing so many hit shows out there. So she's been traveling the world, working so hard. She is such a Renaissance woman and such an inspiration because I don't know anyone that works as hard as Mel. So Mel, can you share what you've been doing out in the world of TV? Sure. For HBO Max, last year, I directed two episodes of Julia about Julia Child launching her TV show in Boston in 1964. And I directed an episode of Pea Valley on Stars, which has been a real big hit. And I just came back from France and Boston, where I was there for the first two episodes of Julia, the kickoff of season two, as well as episode six. And I played two characters in Julia season two, Millie and Tilly. I play twins. You'll see me if you watch. And I'm going to go to the Loire Valley and to Marseille in March and April to do two episodes of The Serpent Queen, starring Samantha Morton and Rupert Everett on Stars. So that's coming up. So it's, uh, and if Julia gets a third season, fingers crossed, I'll be back for that. <laughs> she definitely will. I watched the first season, you know, all at once because when they release it, I binge. And so like, I wait until all of them are ready and then I watch them all like one day. And I was obsessed. But Mel, 
Material means matter. So I always ask everyone on our show, what truly matters to Melanie Mayron? I think what matters is caring, being nice, being good, giving love. I think that's the best you can do. Oh, how beautiful. So true. I love that. I was like being kind and being loving is so important. It doesn't take that much to be nice, you know? I know. You have to think about it. Sometimes you have to catch yourself because we'll just go off. I know you're actually one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. So, And I also know that you came from great stock because i obsessed with both your parents. They loved you, David. Yeah, they were incredible humans. And like, I just like learned so much from both of them in so many different ways. Like anytime I'm about to lose my temper, I think David Mayron would not do this. <laughs> I saw he was always so calm and so like smiley and always my like, mother would on that. Now Norma, I'm much more probably more like Norma. I'm like both of them. She's a true salesman. She was the first time I met Norma in Las Vegas, she was like teaching me how to sell. Oh my god, what a hustler. <laughs> she could sell anything to anyone. She could sell anything. I'll tell you one quick story. I know we're wrapping up, but there was one story where she was a real estate agent for years and she knocked on a man's door and she had a couple with her and she said, I'm here to show the house. And he said, what? And she said, yes, we have an appointment, a 1230 appointment. We're here to show the house. He goes, uh, oh, okay. And he lets them in and they, mom goes through the whole house, shows them the master, the living room, everything. When they're leaving, she realizes that she had the wrong address. <laughs> It was the house next door. Oh. And this guy, she was so convincing at the door that he thought for some reason his wife must have agreed that they were selling their home. And he like let her go in with the people <laughs> showing off this house. It's <laughs> just some stranger's house. She just... <laughs> he just talked her way in with this couple and they're looking all around. Incredible. They don't make them like that these days. She's incredible. Like amazing. Mel, thank you so much for being on our show. This is like just such a chill, like kind of episode where we just like to just have a kiki and talk about like how the founders started everything and just so they can inspire others to just take the risk and take the jump and maybe change what they're doing and do what they love most. So for anyone listening, Mel, where can they find you on social media? We are on Instagram at Mayron's Good. We are on Facebook at Mayron's Good. TikTok. Where can they find you on the World Wide Web? The World Wide Web would be www.mayronsgoods.com. Perfect. So thank you for being on our episode today. Thank you, David, for having me. I love you. <laughs> me too. Bye. Have fun, everybody. For all you listeners, Melanie Mayron was truly my inspiration when I started David Prada Brands. She was my first client when I got to Los Angeles and she really truly inspired me to do what I do for the last 13 years. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, 